welcome back to the We Don't Know It All podcast. This is episode seven. Uh, this was a pretty long episode, uh, the longest to date, I believe. Uh, we talked about maybe splitting it up, but we just think it's too good of a conversation to separate, so we're going to keep it all together. Um, in this episode, I kind of tell Francisco a little bit about a trip from to Portland that I just got back from and a conference that I attended that honestly... I'm a different person and a different leader because of. You do not want to miss this episode. Also, just as a quick update, for those of you who have been asking us, we are in the process of getting merch ready to sell. So be on the lookout on our social media, uh, any announcements we may make uh, towards that uh, merch drop. So you don't want to miss that, but we're about to kick off this episode. Lean in and listen and take notes. It's going to be good. a few weeks since we have recorded. Yes. well it's been a while since we've recorded and it's been probably a week or two since we posted yes however i remember at the beginning of this podcast journey episode zero we talked about how about we talked about how ministry was on the go yeah and Caden was out on a trip, which is kind of the meat of today's uh, podcast. Yep. And then we had a lot going on here at North Place at the same time. And then I had a lot going on with the family. Um, I'm older now. <laughs> I'm, I'm 21 years old now. Yeah. You had then. a you were 20 and you just had a birthday. So Praise now you're God, 21. So now I'm 21. Those of you that know my real age, don't. Just leave we're not going to talk about just that. Just leave it. Just leave it. But yeah, so we're excited to be back, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Caden, tell us, tell us about this wonderful trip that you just took. Well, yeah. So I guess even before we get into that, let's just kind of address something. Today's podcast is going to be this episode. Uh, and we haven't, we're literally, we're obviously clearly recording as we're talking. So yeah. there is a chance that this episode will be divided into two. We don't know that yet. I have a lot to say to you. Right, so, right. But the reason this episode is different is I just got back from a trip with my wife to Portland, Oregon. And so normally, we, you and I don't spend much time preparing for these podcasts so that they're real conversations. Right. But we normally have an idea of where we're both coming from. Mm -hmm. And this time i feel like i'm just reporting to you and just recording i'm gonna be honest i have no idea what's going on right now <laughs> i'm just kidding no I'm, I'm i am excited because i want to i want to get to know everything that that he that you went through and you learned there at the at the conference um but it is a little bit different yeah because this can go 20 different ways and i have no idea where it's going yeah well and all of this information right now is in my head and i'm like i'm genuinely super like excited and passionate about it you know it's, it's just all these little nuggets you Let's know go. um so we may or may never do this again but even if you're like okay i'm excited those are not Look, those i'm truths. gonna get comfortable if you're watching on youtube get comfortable because this might be this might be a long one yeah but it's gonna be good yeah so basically what happened was my wife and i's second wedding anniversary was october 16th at the time of this recording, it's November 1st. Uh, we don't normally talk about dates, but at the time, yeah. so it's been about two and a half weeks since our yeah. anniversary, give or take. Yeah. So the trip was 
partially an anniversary getaway. Nice. Um, but also partially since last year, uh, my Christmas present from my wife were tickets to this conference called The Art of Teaching. So The Art of Teaching was, uh, to be clear, it's the whole conference is about commu like public communication. Yeah. But realistically, what it really is is about preaching. So it's about yeah. how to become a better preacher. So the majority of the people attending this conference are um, really up and not like up and coming famous preachers. Like up right. and, like we're new to preaching. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, but there are plenty of people who are in that room that have been preaching for decades and just honor and respect. Uh, the speakers that are putting it on. And yeah. so they just want to hear what they have to say, yeah. you know? And so um, there were people from all walks of life in the room. And so that's kind of what I was there for, what I was really excited for. Um, we'll get into the conference in a minute. The reason this podcast might be kind of long is because I genuinely want to tell you, you and I talk about the right. cities and the food and the coffee so yeah. often that I, I can't, I can't not talk about that aspect of Portland. Right. right. So, we're gonna get we're gonna kind of get into both but is it all right if we just kind of start with Please. the trip first and it. then Let's transition into the series okay so i can i can just start going but do you have any questions that like about my trip specifically did you did you miss your flight because <laughs> in my anniversary trip I we missed not, our flight <laughs> i did not miss my flight it got to the point where literally we were like we knew we weren't gonna make it so we didn't even try yeah <laughs> we really did not I forgot about that and that was this year when you went to new york city year. yeah it was in august like yeah. we, we 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 were up at three in the morning with our kid and then and we have tsa pre-check and everything so we could have gone through security like this yeah but we were like Nah, this is not gonna happen. This is not gonna happen. Yeah. My wife's like, we can still do it. I said, look, I don't want to start the trip all stressed out, all rushed, and then you get to sit down on the plane. You're like, yeah. So let's just let's just wing it. Let's get let's get some Starbucks. <laughs> let's right. get some Starbucks and get to the airport. Couldn't be me. So Couldn't you made it to me. the airport on time. Yeah. And you got on your flight. Not not only on time. This this is me we're talking about. Yeah. So I'm at the airport two and a half hours early. Goodness, you know? it's not even it's, an international trip, and no, you're like you're still there. No, I I've gotten stuck in security before, just like ah, just standing in line, yeah. and I hate that feeling. You don't have TSA. No, I do, but Madison okay. doesn't. Oh, okay. So well, and it actually didn't matter because yeah. apparently TSA closes after seven p.m. So I showed up. And they only had one line. I was like, what in the world did I pay yeah. $100 on TSA, get yeah. my fingerprints and mm -hmm. background? What was the yeah. point of this if I don't yeah. even get to use it? Yeah. I got to keep my shoes on, but that was it. I had to take everything out of my bags. <laughs> and Anyways, that's not at all related to this trip. But, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I did not miss my flight. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. So we fly in. The trip is... I'm not good at short trips. In fact, I'm really, really bad at short mm. trips. I, I just can't do it. There, I, there's too much I want to see, but I want to do it slowly. Like, I don't want to feel in a hurry. How many days were you guys there? Uh, we got there late Sunday night. Like, I literally landed. This was my fault because I should have bought the ticket sooner, but I was hoping they'd get cheaper. They didn't. They got infinitely more expensive. They, they never And the do. options went down. They never so, do. You always yeah. wish and hope, but they yeah. never do. So I, uh, we got in at like 1230 yeah. at midnight, Sunday night or Monday morning. And then we flew out Saturday. So I was there for all of the work week, basically, yeah. Yeah. essentially. Um, so we had full days. So I land at like 1230. Uh, just for context, Madison 
was not going to the conference with me. Uh-huh. So, but she was going to stay in the city the full time. Right. So we were originally going to get an Airbnb mm-hmm. and we decided against it because I didn't want to rent a car. I'm under 25. They were going to tag mm-hmm. on a young driver's yeah. fee. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was going to be a couple yeah. extra. It was going to be two to $300 on top of mm-hmm. the rental car fee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, look, I'm like, I'm not poor, but I don't have that money either. You yeah, know? yeah. And so we didn't. So what we decided was, okay, well, let's stay in downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, not at like the Ritz Carlton, yeah. but let's stay downtown. And then that way, Madison doesn't have to Uber by herself. Right. Like she can walk around right. safely. So what we found was this boutique hotel called the Society Hotel. No one in Portland is listening to this, but if for someone from the Society Hotel is listening, shout out to you. Great experience. Um, Society Hotel. The Society Hotel. It's almost like a hostel, honestly. Like it's an old hotel from the late 1800s. Like yeah. it's not big. I mean, yeah. really small building. Um, but so it's like a boutique hotel, like a fun experience, yeah. you know, more than anything. Um, so most of the rooms, they have like shared bunk rooms, literally like a hostel. Yeah. And then they have private rooms with a shared like bathroom, like yeah. on the hall. And then Madison and I, we were like, we don't want to do that. So right. we got the top tier their version of a suite yeah. and it's just bas- it's literally just a room with a bed and some places you know, to hang yeah. up your clothes and a bat but a private yeah. bathroom yeah you know and so that was like a hundred and twenty dollars a night which is still cheaper than most like yeah. downtown hotels. it really is yeah. so that's kind of that's where we stayed but all of the reviews so it's in old town chinatown if anybody is familiar with portland and uh nice. all the reviews said there's some homeless people but it's like totally safe right what i did not know was that uh <laughs> where are we going <laughs> where, we where going, are we going here? <laughs> uh was not just a few homeless people it was like you couldn't turn a corner without some guy or girl that smells awful like twitching against the building really i i po- so what i've since learned yeah. is portland has always had a population of homeless people yeah but since COVID, it's gotten really bad. Right. And then recently, like in the last couple of years, the state legalized personal consumption of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a I lot see. easier for people to get addicted right. to things. Right. And so walking was not as safe as we thought it would be. So uh, we spent a lot of money on Uber. By the end of the trip, I learned how to use the public transportation system. There you go. So... I wish is it I just had buses or is it subways? There's but no subways. There's buses like tram, like the dart kind yeah, of, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and then something in between those two. Yeah. Um, but it's like two fifty for a trip uh-huh. with a max of five dollars a day. So yeah. it's like you scan it once to go somewhere, and that lasts for like an hour and a half. And then if you scan it ever again, that's it. So it's like a max of five dollars yeah. a day. Um, so that's what I should have done from the beginning. But it was raining that week for the first week in a couple months. So you had to like, had to walk in between. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not selling this trip, but I loved it. Like everything, (laughs) everything about it was amazing. Yeah. Um, just some highlights, I guess there's a famous bookstore call back to our, uh, I don't know what episode it was, but when we did the episode about reading, uh, I was in, uh, reading heaven for that matter. Really? Yeah. I guess we didn't do an episode about reading. We talked about Atomic Habits yeah. and then reading. Talked a little became, bit about it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bookstore that's 
famous in Portland uh-huh. called Powell's. Have you ever heard of it? Powell's. Powell's. Where have I seen it? I feel like I'm like, you know, you remember some things and you see the logo. That's yeah. exactly what's going through my head right now. Yeah. So I thought there was only one within the Portland area. There's a few locations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it expands outside of that, mm-hmm. but I, but that's from my understanding where it started picture like both new and used books but like this three-story building uh with a cafe in the corner like not like a barnes and noble cafe like a real coffee shop cafe in the corner yeah uh but with just like rows and rows and rows of books and i mean just like a like you get lost i knew it was big but the first we walked in on monday just to go buy books yeah and i was just like overwhelmed of all the options it was like it was fun but it was just overwhelming so we went there a few times spent Mm -hmm. a lot of money i think we walked away with like uh, by the end of the trip i think we walked away with like 12 or 13 books you know like i brought a carry-on just to have room for books because i knew that was going to happen yeah um food was phenomenal i did not have a bad meal really i had one meal that i didn't love my favorite meal oh that's hard there was a place I went to that if you go, if anybody visits Portland, it's from Portland, you've got to try Pine State Biscuits. That's what it's called. That sounds like a you place, Kate. It does. It does. I'm not going to lie. I, considering I previously talked about biscuits and gravy, I did not love <laughs> their biscuits and gravy. Really? But I did really like their biscuits. Really? Madison liked it, but she didn't just absolutely love mm-hmm. it. Um, they don't have like... Whataburger's honey butter chicken biscuit. Yeah. But they have a build your own. And so I put fried chicken on it. And then they had whipped butter and honey. And it wasn't creamy like it was supposed to be. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But I <laughs> but it had the same flavor profile, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I kind of made my little biscuit. Yeah. I got a little diner mug. It's sitting in my office. You can nice. see it later. Uh that was probably my favorite meal. Thai food was great. If you yeah. love Thai food, there was Thai food everywhere. And it was all good. I think I, I ate it three like times. I had handmade Chinese noodles for the first time in my life. Those were amazing. I've seen those Instagram videos where they're like making the noodles and yes. falling it's straight like just, into yeah, the Yeah, and they're just like pulling it out mm. and stretching it. This is not a food podcast, but this is what we did That's in Portland great. was read and eat food. So That's great. I went to three or four coffee shops a day, all of them different. I think I went back to maybe one coffee shop. Outside of that, they were all different. Yeah all amazing well then i guess like okay so you were in downtown so you must have had more options food wise and more options yeah. you know coffee houses and stuff like that but i've heard that that's fair i mean yeah the further outside the city you go the less options there right. are but i've heard that they're all good is what i've heard i mean i didn't experience it so. i need to go to portland oregon you do everybody needs to go to portland oregon i will say the stereotypes that i've heard of portland those are all true they're just like keep portland weird they're like uh it's very liberal uh yeah people are very close on religion uh-huh uh and a lot of the churches are very progressive i walked to the conference that i was attending was at a church mm-hmm. uh, a church i really admire and follow is called bridgetown church but like i i walked from a coffee shop to the church it was like a quarter mile and I passed a Methodist church with like a gay pride flag on their like bulletin. Really? And so I was like, well, that's, that's different. Yeah, I was like, that's different. <laughs> uh, but I come to find out that's not really different for Portland. Got it's just it. different Got it. yeah. for us, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Um, well, we're in so, Texas. Huh? Yeah. We're a little bit in the South. That's true. We do things different around here. We do do, we do, do things different. Yeah. But, yeah, so food was amazing. I've got, like, a list of foods that I tried. We did pizza, That's Thai, cool. Chinese. I think my least favorite meal, but my favorite coffee experience is this place called Proud Mary. Have you ever heard of it? Proud Mary? Yeah. It's a great name. Uh, Proud Mary. Uh, I did not know this till I showed up. Proud Mary is an Australian cafe. Like, not Australian-themed, like from Australia. Right. Um, and I knew of them. There's a coffee shop in Dallas. If you're native to DFW, it is one of my favorite in DFW. It's called Wayward. And they have a rotating uh, coffee roaster. Like, every month, they'll have a different coffee roaster. Um, and then they have one that's their staple or right. whatever. But they have a rotating coffee roaster. Right. So I heard of Proud Mary through them originally. I just didn't look into them. Uh, Proud Mary is from Australia. Yeah. But they only had one cafe in all of the United States, and it was in Portland. Really? So I had to go. Yeah. Like, I had to go try it. And yeah. they're, like, Proud Mary wins awards every year. Like, like they're Like good. baristas and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, baristas, cool. the coffee they roast will win, like, coffee awards. Really? And, like, for people who don't care about coffee are probably, like, looking at me yeah. like I'm crazy. But, uh, <laughs> but for me, it was fun. You yeah. know, it was like I was yeah. able to nerd out. Yeah. And, uh, they actually just opened one in Austin. So if you ever want to go visit Austin, we can go try one in Austin. So there's only two so there's in all of the United States and, and one Austin. in Austin. It opened like literally three weeks ago. It makes sense that they would place it in Austin. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's cool though. So that was, I didn't love the food. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was good, but yeah. I didn't love it, but the coffee was really good. Um, I wish I had more food or coffee or whatever but without like literally saying this is what i ordered at this place we should have had like you should have brought a bag of coffee and we could have been sipping on some like brewed coffee from your trip i did not buy a bag of coffee jesus christ i have so much coffee here right now <laughs> that <laughs> like, i already have Mad way too much <laughs> madison doesn't drink coffee so every time mm. someone gives me a bag yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah. just drinking it by myself so i go there through go. it really slowly got it but you are forgiven. I'm forgiven. But when there's so much coffee from there, I think my yeah. favorite coffee shop other than Proud Mary was this place called Never. Yeah. Both of them are very like have. I tend to lean. This is not a political statement. I just tend to lean more conservative right. than mm -hmm. liberal. And uh, both of them have very more like liberal values and mm -hmm. mission statements and yeah. whatever. So like I'm not pretending like i'm aligning with their company yeah. or whatever but in terms of like the taste of the coffee they have great coffee it's great coffee <laughs> it's awesome. uh never coffee so that was a good one that's the one they do a subscription and i did think about signing up for their like coffee subscription so if i do that then we can reconvene this and make comments let's do that we'll pretend like we're in portland let's do that yeah that's great so that would be fun yeah but so your food experiences your your you got there safely got there you, safely you found a hotel and the food was amazing. The coffee was amazing. I knew you were going to sniff out a bunch of coffee houses. Yeah, I mean, I that's, that goes without saying. Yeah. And then so, but the real reason why you went there is for this conference. Yeah. What, what, before you go into like what really happened in the conference, before you got there, what were you expecting? And was it what you really experienced there? I don't know what I was expecting yeah. per se. So just for a little bit of context, so the art of teaching 
uh, was as a foundation or company or conference or whatever it is, was founded a little over a year ago by three people. Uh, Jefferson Bethke, who many people our age will know the name of or yeah. maybe the face of. Yeah. He became famous is not the right word, but he became he kind of became uh, a viral sensation like 10 years ago. Uh, on YouTube because he released this spoken word called, uh, uh, what do you call it? G- I, I can't I think of it know. now. Something about religion. Greater yeah. or le- uh, we got to look it up because yeah. this is like what he's, this is what he is most famous for. Um, That's cool. I talk to people now that think it's kind of cringy. I think it's Jesus is greater than religion. I think, but. Uh, so his he it's a YouTube video that went viral. Yeah. Uh, oh, why I hate religion but love Jesus. Spoken word. It was literally. I just guess it really was ten years ago. Um, so that's what he became famous for. But he's grown. To, he was single in college, actually in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And he released this video, and then he did a few consecutive ones, and he. Um, his spoken words, in my opinion, genuinely are really good. Yeah. Um, but he went viral, became well-known, and then he just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't hear from him, didn't know much about him. Uh, then in the last couple years, I started seeing more from him. Yeah. Uh, just because of circles he kind of got invited mm-hmm. to, started running yeah. with. So I don't know much about him from 10 years ago. I just kind of started following him again from the last two years. Yeah. But he, he got married, has kids. He does a lot with family ministries now. And so that's what he's most well-known for mm-hmm. now is like – yeah. Uh, leading sons and family ministries, but he's on the younger end spectrum. Like he's probably in his thirties, yeah. you know, like mid thirties. So he's not, he doesn't have a ton of experience, but he helped start this idea, this concept. So Jefferson Bethke, John Mark Comer, right. And John Tyson. So, I talk about Comer all the time. I mean, I in this podcast alone, not mm-hmm. like this episode, but right. this, we don't yeah. know it all. I have referenced him in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Tyson, I didn't really know much about till the last year and a half. He is a pastor from New York City. Uh, he's Australian, but has lived here, uh, I think, since college. Uh, and he... He Yeah, so he runs a church in New York. I think it's called Church in the City or something yeah. like that. Uh, I have never, like, I've, I follow him on Instagram, so I've heard little snippets, but I don't know, I didn't know a ton about him. I, I knew that he is really big, like, one of his, he has this book called the, I think it's Intentional Father, I think is what it's called. Uh, he's really big on like intentionally raising your sons the way they used to in Bible times. Yeah. Not like some toxic right, masculinity right. Mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. just like a, like we don't know. It's kind of like John Eldridge, like a little stronger stance, uh, yeah. but like a different John Eldridge, you know? Yeah. And so uh, that's, I knew that. And I also know he's really like really passionate about revival and prayer. Those are like his things. Mark Batterson just did, and by just, I mean in the last like six months, yeah. did a uh, revival kind of weekend. And he invited John Tyson to come in and preach as yeah. one of the revival like speakers because that's his thing. Really? You know? And so I was coming into this conference, I was excited to hear from those three yeah. um, speakers. 
I look up to all of them in different ways, yeah. uh, different reasons. I'm, but I, there was a selfish part of me that just wanted to come to the conference because I was like, there's going to be like 300 people here. It's not like 3,000, you know. It's going to be like 300 people. I'm going to get to talk to some of these guys that are like my uh, preaching idols, right. you know. And but I mean, even at 300 people, 300 people is not like a huge. Yeah. So it's actually like the perfect size to where you could, I could get a couple exactly. words in, which is great. Exactly. And spoiler alert, I did get a couple words in. Uh, but not as many as I'd like to, right. but we'll, we'll get to that right. later. Uh, so that's kind of like, I guess to answer your question, I don't know really what I was expecting coming into the conference. Right. I knew that it, I actually didn't even know that the emphasis was so much on preaching. I honestly thought the emphasis was more just on public communication yeah. and teaching and speaking. I thought they were opening it up to more people, right. but it was very much like, that's cool. Yeah. This is a call to preach, you yeah. know, and so uh, which was really good for me, right. actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I it exceeded any expectation I had uh, and then some. Yeah. So to answer your question. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So then you get there. The conference starts. What was your first day like? So my first day, the conference was Wednesday and Thursday, yeah, uh, which was a shock to me because until we got there, I actually thought it was Thursday and Friday. Um, that's besides the point. Uh, that's great planning. Yeah, great planning. <laughs> uh, part of the problem was because Madison bought the tickets for me, yeah. all the information was right. going to her email. Right, you know? right. Well, apparently there was also a meet and greet well, Tuesday they night. Were, they got you were there yeah. and you weren't going to fly out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> There was a meet and greet Tuesday night that I didn't know about until Tuesday morning. Oh, so, I see. Um, yeah. I, but I found out about it, like, yeah. in time to go, right, right, right. and it was free. And so uh, it was just open to whoever was in town mm -hmm. early. So I was able to go, but I found out right before I was going to leave that I actually had a friend from the DFW area that was going to the conference, too. Right. But neither one of us knew that. Nice. So we met up for dinner, and then... That was the first time I tried to use the bus, yeah. and that experience did not go well. So I was late to – we were late to this meet and greet. And so I'm walking into the meet and greet late, like uh -huh. started at 7. I'm there at like 7.45, and it goes yeah. to like 9, you yeah. know. So there were – everybody who was going to come was pretty much already there, yeah. you know. And so – but they were all – it was not intended just for you to meet the speakers. Like John Mark Comer was there. Uh, John Tyson, Jeff Bethke, and then there was one more speaker. His name's Charlie Dates. Uh -huh. uh, we'll get to him. He was a he's a black preacher from Chicago. Yeah, but or a black pastor from Chicago. But he, I don't know if he was there or not, to be honest. But um, the three of them, like that's who I wanted to talk to. But it wasn't intended just to meet them. Like it was intended to be like a networking thing, right? So that you could grow in community with right. other pastors. Yeah, there were so many different traditions denominations fellowships like right. all there right that the hope was that you would make connections outside right. of your circle which is, which is honestly the best yeah because a lot that we do and yeah. our fellowship is all within our fellowship yep. so it was nice mm -hmm. to meet yep. some other people yep. but um like i said because everybody who was going to come was already there mm -hmm. like lines to meet them were super long yeah. and i'm not good at going up to people yeah. to say hi, to talk to them, to meet them yeah. or whatever. Like I'm not good at yeah. that. Partially because I grew up with people doing that 
to my dad. Right. We'd go to a, he would speak, he didn't do this right. a ton, but like we'd speak, he would speak at a conference or general council or youth yeah. camp and someone, or even just Sunday morning, someone would want to come talk to him. And he loves talking to people. He's not yeah. like one of those guys Absolutely. that like, but at some point he's not, he still likes talking to people, but at some point his schedule is dictating like, yeah. I've got to go. Yeah. But people don't always read that, you mm -hmm. know? And so I didn't, I did not want to be that burden yeah. for one of these guys. Right. Like they don't know that I exist right. and might as well be a pleasant. They don't know that I exist rather yeah. than a negative. Here's yeah. this guy that won't leave me alone, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. which to be clear, like I was at a meet and greet. I should have just gone to talk to them, but I didn't. So <laughs> the night's winding down. Mm -hmm. uh, John Tyson looks like he's finishing a conversation. So I just go talk to some pastors next to him. Uh, and then he kind of turns around, says hi to us. I get to shake his hand. He seems like a really nice guy. But then he's like, uh, all right, mates. Uh, he, he like says mate every time. Yeah. I don't do a good Australian accent. But in his Australian accent, he's like, I got to go home. Uh, I'll see you guys in the morning. And then, so I got to shake his hand, but I didn't really get a chance to like converse with him. Hey, you got the all right, mate. All yeah. Right, that's, all right, mate. That's up there. Yeah. It was a good experience. So that yeah. was day one. It was, that like was a day one. Meet Night three. one, day one. You got yeah. to meet some pastors. Got yeah. to, you know, that's cool. So actual day one uh, begins early, like 8th. I mean, early. It's like 8.30, yeah. you know. So I'm nervous. I go. I sit down. Um, and so the conference begins. The way that the conference starts is kicked off with Jefferson Bethke kind of introducing everyone, everything. Turns out he's not a speaker. Uh, I don't know if it's his lack. He's not a pastor, so I don't know if right. he, he's uh, he's traveled as an evangelist. But right, right. I don't know if it's his lack of experience or just what they decided for mm -hmm. this particular conference because yeah. they've done the conference two or three times now. Mm -hmm. um, but either way, like, just as a, I won't really talk much more about him, but it was really cool to see the way that he led from a position of honor and humility that's cool without ever like right doing a session right because he was able to uplift all yeah. the other speakers but be himself in that's such cool. a way that i don't think a lot of people are very right. good at right and so that was really cool to watch that he definitely has like a genuine spiritual gift of hospitality and he did it well so that was kind of cool but he he opened up the conference uh -huh. and then he handed it off to john tyson to kick like really kick off yeah the conference so this was like i still don't really know like what's happening right you know like i'm there just enjoying right whatever you you're know? like whatever comes my way yeah, whatever comes my now, way wait, was this conference kind of like was there a band and was there lights or was it just more like in no. intimate setting like we're gonna just talk to it was in the auditorium of okay. bridgetown okay. but which is a pretty small auditorium okay. so there were no lights there was a mm -hmm. keyboard on stage uh that insinuated we were gonna have worship at some point but it hadn't happened up to this point there was no special lighting there right. was no right like there was nothing i there were half the auditorium was tables if you got there early enough to sit at a table yeah. and then the rest was just like your normal church service congregational yeah. like seat yeah you know um and so that was, that was, I actually got there early enough to sit at a table, but I'm not good at sitting with strangers. So I didn't sit at a table. Yeah, I'm just going to pick my seat I'm going to sit in my seat. And um, so John Tyson kicks it off. And I knew that the first 
session or really every session was about an hour and a half. Uh, John Tyson stood there for an hour and a half and gave one of the most powerful, convicting sermons I think I've ever heard. Really? Yeah. Could also be the Australian accent, but beside, but it was genuinely, and I was like, I didn't know. I thought I was coming to learn how to speak. And right now, I feel like I could never speak as well as this guy. <laughs> You're like, like uh, I give up. Yeah. It's not like, going to happen. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, I resigned. I, oh, I, I don't even preach weekly, but Lord knows there's a reason for that because I'm not John Tyson. Oh, that's Lord. for sure. That's happened to me but, before where you listen to someone and you're like, I'm never going to be like near as good as this yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm just going to hang up my gloves right now. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, this is his in one sentence this is what his whole sermon was about it's no good to be a good preacher if you live a poor life that was the rest of the sermon was just this concept of and he he had these three points or three illustrations from second timothy about whether or not you're a soldier or a uh, civilian or oh there was a third one i can't remember but um it was like this, these different ideas, but the whole, and then he asked this question to us because, uh, his whole thing was, we have so many people in church leadership and pulpits that don't really have the life that aligns them to be there, but they all claim they have a calling. And so we put them in there, but we don't spend, I'm telling you, but we don't spend the time as leaders to sift through, like, does your life align? strong enough for you to be in leadership over people and he asked mm. let me just ask this question mm. and then you can say whatever let me ask this question <laughs> would paul have timothy because in the in the scriptures right. paul had timothy put this person uh-huh. into leadership would paul have timothy put you into leadership in the church of ephesus i was like I'm gonna have to think about that one. Do you know this was in the first five minutes of the sermon, wild. in case you were wondering. That is well, okay. Here's the thing, that that statement alone, right? That 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 one sentence line that you just gave us. Like, I think if people were like really honest with themselves, like that would save them. I mean, I've seen people run from the church because obviously it's it wasn't their calling or it wasn't, and they run from the church and they never come back. But it does take honesty from yourself to say, like, is this something that I'm really supposed to be doing? Like, is this or is this just some fabrication that I came up with? And just because I see so and so having that lifestyle and now I, I want to be so I want yeah. so badly to be part of that lifestyle. And so if we if as a church, as leaders, if we got this one little thing right, oh, it's not a little thing. If we got this one thing right. I mean, a lot of we could save a lot of people and i'm not talking about like salvation but I'm, yeah. like we could save a lot of people i don't even say this we could save a lot of marriages yeah that's wild well and he he goes on to like teach on this idea do they have this online somewhere the, so in the podcast or in something? the actual conference no but if you go to artofteaching.co yeah. i think we can we get if we remember we can link it in yeah. uh, the description of yeah. the podcast so uh, YouTube whatever so but um, there there's a master class that you can buy um, 
it's not like five hundred dollars like normal master classes yeah. you know but it's also not twenty dollars either yeah. so it may not be a resource that everyone right. can afford but i i honestly i have access to the master class mm -hmm. but i went to the conference so i haven't right. looked at it yet right so i don't know if they they may i know their speakers in the master class that right. were not at the conference right so i and i know there were people at the conference right. speaker wise that are not in the master yeah. class so i can't tell you if this particular sermon was there or not but so good it needs to be there yeah whoever is in charge of that website throw this up there like today yeah. please we'll tag you jeff Bethke. thank you <laughs> um but he goes on john tyson goes on to say like not just this is more of an idea not a yeah. zinger as yeah. he calls it but um like one of the part of what we were looking at what inspired this mm -hmm. sermon was this concept that like Ephesus was full of like if issues. The church in Ephesus was full of these deep-rooted issues. Mm -hmm. And Paul's solution to the problem of the church in Ephesus was better people. It wasn't better programs. It wasn't better uh, whatever. It was better people. And there is no solution that... Now, this is obviously more complicated yeah. than it sounds. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is no solution that we can work around that is going to have deeper impact than just have better leaders yeah and that is a conversation no one wants to have no, because absolutely not. what if who's on your team yeah. isn't the leader that mm -hmm. should be on your team yeah. so i i'm not just trying to drop mics and zingers and walk right. away like right. i i fully understand how complicated this can make life right and he wasn't trying to like make us all reorganize our churches either right. he was trying to make sure that we personally are the better leader yeah you know like don't get into the pulpit if you're not the better person right you know but it was just this whole idea and he said if you don't have the right life before you preach then your preaching will do more damage than it does good that's right because at some point i don't like to name drop church pastor moral failures because because i just don't right uh but one of the more famous ones right now is right. probably Carl Lentz. Right. And he's walking through a lot of recovery. His wife, right. I saw a post from them the other day. Like, I right. think they're doing it the best way they know how. Yeah. You know? Um, but at some point, like, if your life is not matching up with what you're preaching, yeah. at some point, people are going to find out. Whether it's now or when you pass away, like Robbie Zacharias yeah. or... Like something, at some point, someone's going to know. Right. And in that yeah. moment, do I think people's salvation should be deeper than what that moment is going to cause? I do. Like, I wish that that wouldn't cause people to doubt things. But sometimes it cause, causes current Christians to doubt if everything they've heard is even real. But more than that, people who are on the line of right. Christianity, it just preaches that we're all hypocrites. Yeah. And Anyways, that was a rabbit hole. No, I mean, no, but but still, like, it, it, a lot of the biggest, and I'm going to generalize this, right, but a lot of the biggest issues that are happening in leadership, right, or in certain areas of the church are, are sometimes the simplest and smallest things that yeah. just require honesty from us. It requires honesty from the individual, requires honesty from the leader, and then it requires a lot of self, you know, you got to search your soul and you got to say, like, I am really not doing this well. And I really need to change these certain aspects of my life. Just like the point that you said about, like, you know, if you're speaking and if you're saying something like you could, your preaching could have all the right points to it. But if you're dead on the inside, it's going to be a dead preaching. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's just gonna, like your words are going to yeah. are going to be dead. 
That's from Charlie Dates. That was in session. I don't remember. It was either session three or four. Yeah. That's a quote I'll read when we get there. But then God is so good. This I'm I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'll let you continue on no, to, you're to fine. whatever's you know. God is so good that I I went through a period of not speaking for a while, but then I've like I I, I spoke here at our Spanish uh, campus uh, um, service um, two weeks ago. And um, I had so many people, um, not not really, because I don't like to hear, oh, your sermon was so good. I just don't. Like, it makes me uncomfortable because yeah. I never know what to say, right? So you say glory to God, and that's it. But um, I got a lot of this, and it was it was a little different. It was like, if you ever had a doubt that you're a speaker, like, I'm telling you right now that you are a speaker. Like, I had, like, five or six people tell me that, which felt like I was like, whoa, you know, God's obviously telling me something here. Like, yeah. it wasn't just like, you know, it was very clear, very evident. But that doesn't mean that, you're good. Like the yeah. first thing that I went, I went home and I told Christy this. I said, this just means like that I have to like do better, be better. Yeah. And, and, and it was kind of like a call to action for me. And like, I need to do all these things that I need to like, like, obviously I have a prayer life and we, you know, we daily devotion, like all those things that you should do, the spiritual disciplines that everybody knows about that you should do, um, do them. However, like, when God entrusts you with the pulpit and gives you a microphone, you have to take that very, very seriously, very, very seriously, because you could, you could change your life for the good and you could change life for the, for the bad. So yeah. you just, you just never know. No, absolutely. I'm trying so hard not to read every bullet point that I wrote. Just throw them at us, man. Just throw, <laughs> look at this point, this podcast, 40 minutes, this is going to keep going. So we yeah, we're well. in session one. <laughs> we're in <laughs> session one. This uh, is the first three hours of the, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this, he was, <laughs> he ended up building to this point and he said, uh, like this whole idea of your life outside of the pulpit is yeah. what matters. He said, do not tear down with your life what you've been trying to build with the pulpit. Jesus. If what you preach is torn down because of the way you live your life, it was all pointless. I can't even like, you know. Jesus. Yeah. There was such a heaviness in the room. I'm like, this is not, I mean, I have, I'm obviously not going to re-preach this hour and a half sermon, but I've got more points I'm going to share. But this was not a joke. Like all of that was in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the sermon. I love that it wasn't just about like, this is how you make your sermon better. Yeah. But it was like a legit challenge. Yeah. And like a lot of like, you need to like look here. Yeah. And and see what needs to change, see what needs to be adapted, see what you need to, you know, correct. Because like it's it's those tweaks, man. It's really those tweaks. I one of my mentors um, growing up always told me that preaching was an art form, you know, preaching and speaking is an art form. And the way that you from the way that you wave your hands to the way your body language and all these things, they're an art form. And, and it's 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 crazy how God communicates to somebody. But. But, but, but you could have the best thing written down on paper and it could mean nothing. Like yeah. it could really, really mean nothing. And I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I feel like I have to say this. Um, there's, there's people listening to this podcast probably that used to be PKs and have maybe like mm-hmm. stepped away from, from, from ch- even church in general, yeah. or even just from like your calling. Cause you know, you were called to preach. Um, it's never too late. Yeah. You know, it's never too late to tweak those things. And, yeah. and if God called you to speak and if, if someone's brought a word to you, that you feel like you can trust and you know it was from God, um, it's never too late. Maybe that's why you're bringing us all these gold nuggets, man. Zingers, so as they these say. These zingers so that somebody could zap their way back in. Yeah. Let's go. On. What else you got, Caden? Keep, 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 
keep, so keep swinging. He, he transitioned <laughs> from that concept to, okay, now people's automatic reactions are, we need more accountability in the church. Mm. We need more like personal accountability. Yeah. We need human accountability. Yeah. And he was like, look, I'm not against accountability. He's yeah. like, true. Honestly, I'm not against accountability. Yeah. He was like, I just know to, I know people that had all the accountability in the world Yeah. from elder boards to personal accountability partners, to spouses, to website blockers, yeah. to whatever it was. Yeah. And they still had their moral failure. And he goes, uh, <laughs> where is it? This is less of a zinger, just like truth statement. So yeah. I wrote it down, but, um, uh, we must steward the gospel well, regardless of who is holding us accountable. Like the whole idea of this isn't like, you don't, you can't just steward the gospel well because someone is holding you accountable. Yeah. Because what if, when you step into that season where they're not, does yeah. that mean it all falls apart? Yeah. You know, like it's, a more fancy way of talking about the concept of integrity, mm -hmm. like this whole, yeah. like, okay, it's one thing to, mm -hmm. it's one thing to not look at porn or mm -hmm. to get drunk or to abuse your spouse, or it's yeah. one thing to not do those things yeah. when someone is checking on you every 24 hours. Yeah. But what about when they're no longer checking in on you? And he gave this, uh, I mean, genuinely, it's going to be less powerful for me, not even because I'll say it wrong, just because it's not my story. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's power in telling your story, yeah. but that's besides the point. He gave this uh, illustration to prove this point, And he said, uh, one of my best friends, or best mates, as he says, Mate. uh, was helping him, was helping fund his church plant in New York City when they first started. And so he had this habit. Uh, one day he called and he said, hey, John, I just wanted to know uh, how many people you've shared the gospel with this week. And John was like, well, you know, man, like we're we're in a we're in a hard to reach city. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got to slowly yeah. like shift culture. You've yeah. got to build relationship with them. They're closed off to the gospel. And he was like, yeah, John, totally understand. Uh, totally understand. And then they hung up, whatever. A week goes by, and he calls John again. He goes, hey, man, I was just wondering, like, uh, how many people you shared the gospel with? Like, not judgmental. Yeah, genuine yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how many people you shared the gospel this week? John was like, I thought we covered this last <laughs> week about how, about how we're building <laughs> to this. We're, like, we're Busy. getting there. We're working. Yeah. We're, like, working on it. He's like, all right, all right. And then called again the next week. He's like, hey, John, I was wondering how many times you've, shared the gospel with people. And John was like, at some point I got the message where yeah. it was like, yeah, I've, I've got to share the gospel yeah. with people like that. Like that's what I have to do. Yeah. So he started sharing the gospel with people. He made it his mission. And then one day the call stopped coming in. And about a year later, the guy called, he's like, Hey John, I was just wondering how many people you've shared the gospel with. And wow. John had died out of sharing the gospel with people uh -huh. and his whole point was like 
if what we're i mean it's a true story he didn't right. it wasn't just like a metaphor right, right, it right. like really happened but he said if what we are in charge of is the honest to god hope of the world like at some point we've got to steward that message whether somebody's calling in to check on us or not like at some point yep. our life has yep. to be bigger than what we're preaching on a sunday right and i was just like all right. It well. doesn't just stop on Sunday, man. No, it doesn't it stop doesn't. on Sunday. And I, but I think it's deeper too. Like yeah. we were there for preaching, but like if you're listening to this and you're not a pastor, I honestly think there's some deep biblical truth there. Yeah. Like as a Christian, regardless of what you're doing, like you, you are representing, this can be overwhelming, but you're representing God. Everything you do. Yeah to some like portrays the image of God, the Imago Dei is mm -hmm. what we call it. Mm -hmm. And you've got to learn how to live up to that. Even mm -hmm. if someone's not holding you accountable, Yeah, uh, accountability, super important, but it's not always enough. Like at yeah. some point yeah. it's just got to be who you are. Yeah. But That's anyways. so true. That's so true. I mean, I tell people all the time, like get yourself a mentor. Get yourself somebody who's going to keep you in line, going to keep you in check. But that's not, that's, I, I would even say this, that's like 10% of the battle right there. Yeah. Because your mentor's not going to be in the house with you. Your mentor's not going to see you in that, in that, that place where you're all by yourself. I mean, it's just, it's just not enough. That's great. Yeah. He, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm just making sure I'm not skipping any really good don't gold nugget. Don't skip the uh, good zingers. He quoted Howard Hendricks. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I wrote his name down. Uh, good preaching has a price tag. You've got to be willing to pour out your life. And I think often, like, we don't really treat preaching like it has a price tag. Mm -hmm. And he does. I mean, it does. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things, honestly, don't really remember how we built up to this, to be completely honest. But uh, but I, I love it because I don't think we talk about it often enough. There... You have two ends of the spectrum when it comes to spiritual warfare. You have the spectrum that goes, this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have the spectrum that goes, Satan's in everything. Yeah. Uh, and every little thing that goes wrong, that's the enemy. Yeah. We're going to pray in tongues right now to rebuke that in this yes. moment. You know? yes. It's just like mysticism almost. Yeah. And it's like, so you've got the two ends of the spectrum. But I think there's a lot of people who are trying to find balance where... I'm kind of going on my own personal tangent right now to build Go something, but Go for it. people are trying to find balance where there isn't balance. They mm. need to find tension. Yeah. And I don't think there is a middle ground. I think some days this, the enemy's really trying to out, like get you. Yeah. But I think there's other days where I'm like, you dug this hole for yourself. Yeah. This has nothing. To do yeah. No, this is the, all you're you know, doing. Yeah. This is all you're mm. doing. And there, I don't think there is balance. I think it's a tension that has yeah. to be managed. Um, but that's besides the point. What he was saying was so, and to be clear, we were talking to multiple different denominations, not the assemblies of God leans right. towards the supernatural mm -hmm. and spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, there is a Satan, but so often in our, now I'm paraphrasing and I'll go back. <laughs> so often in our faith, like in our faith, there is no room for an actual enemy. You have... God uh -huh. and miracles uh -huh. and your faith, but there's no actual enemy. And so he said what that leads to psychologically 
is if you don't have an enemy in your faith, then all we have is fallen humanity. So without the enemy, which sounds spiritual, like when you word it, it sounds really spiritual. Yeah. It's like, well, we've got God and then we've got the us fallen humans. Yeah. And just sin and fallen humans. And he said, but without the enemy, without the greater enemy, we want to fight sinful people or God himself because there's no one else to turn our attention to. There's no one else left. If your faith doesn't have room for Satan to be there, then you got to fight someone. So it's either going to be people who you don't agree yeah. with or God himself. And and both are bad. Both yeah, are both like, are bad. Both are, you know, because then, I mean, obviously God. Yeah. But then you could be fighting your own family. Yeah. Your own spouse, your own. Yeah. And I... Look, I'm not claiming that John Tyson's not God himself, you know? So, like, I'm not saying you're going to agree with everything that right, I'm conveying right, 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 or anything. Right. But mm -hmm. I think there's some truth to it, even if you don't mm -hmm. agree with it fully. Yep, absolutely. With this idea of, like, like let's look at, I am not the expert to talk about racial reconciliation. I'm yeah. just not. For a myriad of reasons. I don't know enough. I've not lived enough. I, I don't have the experience or knowledge to talk about that context. With that said, I think that one of the reasons we turn on each other so fast is because we often refuse to recognize sometimes the like real divide that Satan can put there, yeah. like the racial divide. Yeah. And I, yes, I think that it's really deep. Uh, I think that there's a lot of factors yeah. that are there. You know, I'm, I'm really not trying to pretend otherwise. Right. But I think that so often like there is an enemy that causes strife too and sometimes our faith doesn't allow for that mm -hmm. and so instead all we can do is blame yeah people yeah and sometimes the person's an idiot but yeah that's so good anyways that's really good yeah that is really good that was a rabbit hole mm. some people out there are getting uncomfortable <laughs> yeah but that's okay well and he Part, keep in mind, this was all based on a scripture where Paul or Timothy or mm -hmm. I, I don't remember is teaching about like preachers and how they're soldiers and civilians and a third one that I can't remember. Uh, and so that was where this was coming from right. was there's an enemy, which means we're a soldier is like this idea. Yeah. There is a spiritual yeah, yeah, yeah. battle yeah, that yeah, is yeah. actually mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. And every time we get up in the pulpit, like. Yeah there's something that we're doing that is a spiritual battle. Right. And to pretend like it's not there, you turn your eyes to something else to put your fight into. Yeah. Because at, at your core, you're a soldier. Yeah. And then he kind of switches to civilian for a moment, just one little point. And he says, if you live like a civilian in a battle, then all you will ever become is a casualty. Jesus. Like if the battle's happening, you can't mm. live like a civilian because yeah. that's how you become yeah. a casualty. And so he That's said, wild. most of the things that make you ineffective behind the pulpit are not great sins, quote unquote, great sins. Mm -hmm. They are small things. Do not lose the anointing on your life because of small things. Jesus Christ. He's like, yeah, the great things. You've got like obvious porn addiction yeah. and an affair. And, yeah. And those happen. Yeah. But for the majority of pulpits in America yeah. where pastors are publicly faithful mm -hmm. it's like it's not the great sins that will take you out yeah it's the small things the miniature compromises right 
the outburst of anger. Yeah. The the debt that you yeah. like get out of hand. Right. The, the buildup of things that like, and then it becomes a, a something that you can't just, you can't yeah. escape or the little thing opens the bigger door and then the bigger door. And then you say, well, I got away with this. So I'm going to yep. do this and so on and so on. And it doesn't have to be like, like adultery or anything like that. It doesn't have to be anything that deep, but it can become little things that lead to something. bigger. Misplaced priorities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you start neglecting your family. You start doing all these things. Then it's okay because they were okay last Christmas or they yeah, were okay last... and it's last not even a sin. Exactly. You know? So mm-hmm. it's like yeah. justified. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. like, I'm doing work for the Lord. Yeah, but your family hadn't seen you in a month. So He, he kind of switched to... Uh, this is where... Not, I mean, the rest of it was really good, obviously. But this is where, for me, it like started to really hit home. Yeah. And I was like, can we just end the conference here so I can process <laughs> and we'll come back? Yeah. Um, but he said, uh, there are some things when you are called to be a soldier that are fine for civilians but are not for your calling. And that could be different for every person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he said when he was younger, becoming a preacher... Uh, he was complaining about things that other people were doing, but he like wanted to do. And he had a mentor look at him and say, uh, partial calling from God, partial mentor. He said this phrase, and I put it in quotes because I'm just, it's a direct quote. Right. Others may, but you may not. It's not a sin, but because of the weight of your calling. Yeah. Others may, yeah. but you may not. There's a reason that soldiers live. Like, just think about today. I'm not talking about Roman soldiers, mm-hmm. although that might even be a better study, truthfully. But I'm not talking about some ancient culture. I'm not talking about some, while I believe in real spiritual warfare, I'm not even talking about that right now. Yeah. Like, l- look at the actual military. They live a very disciplined life for a reason. There are things now they drink a lot and whatever, but Mm -hmm. like what they do, the commands they learn, everything that they do Mm -hmm. is with a certain end goal in mind. Right. And it's like they're like they can flip and follow commands on the flip of a dime, you know, and they're trained to the T. They know the words, the answers, the actions. Actual muscle memory doesn't technically exist, but the concept, you know, like psychological, like they do things because they're disciplined to a T. And there are just some things, like, that's ob- that's one thing. Now back to the spiritual side. Yeah. There are just some things that when you are called to be a soldier that are fine for civilians but are not fine for your calling. Yeah. And he he uh, went on a tangent about Yellowstone. And Really? Yeah. He, he said, he was like, I got COVID for the third time like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so I just, I tried to pray. I couldn't focus. I couldn't pray. I tried to write my sermon. I couldn't. So he's like, I just turned on the TV and decided to start watching Yellowstone. And uh, he was like, the next thing I know, I'm like three seasons in. And like, yeah. I just binge watched for days this Dutton family on the Yellowstone Ranch. And he said it so quickly, like so fast, just shifted how my priorities, like I became so wrapped up in this fictional ranch. Yeah. And my values began to align yeah. with their values. Yeah. And he was like, I honestly think there's nothing wrong with the show, yeah. was his like thing. He was like, I have no issue with it. And there are other things that I don't have issues with that people do. Yeah. He's like, his point is, I don't tend to watch a ton of entertainment or TV or movies. He's like, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. 
but for my calling, yeah. my time is better placed elsewhere. Yeah. And he was like, it's not a sin. There's nothing about it that's right, a sin. Right. He said, others may, but I may not. And he was like, for you, I don't know what that looks like. He was like, I challenge you to figure out what it is because the calling, the weight of your calling is much heavier than you probably right. treat it. And to some degree, you've got to figure out what is it yeah. that God has asked of me that I'm not willing to give up. That's a that's a that's a good one to like write down. Yeah. And like constantly remind yourself of. If you if you hold a position of leadership, if you hold a position where you where you're constantly speaking to people and you're you yeah. know, there's certain things that as a minister, as someone who who and you don't even have to preach like if you're a worship leader, like yeah. if you're a youth pastor, whatever the case is, like like there are certain things that you're just not going to be able to do just willy-nilly like I'm going to you know do these things because you're you're set apart like yeah. you're 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 somebody that's going to be different and and with that job comes certain responsibilities Spider-Man yeah. you know what I mean yeah he this next statement that he mentioned when he was kind of closing out that idea and this is the statement that has stuck with me this entire time okay uh, I mean, all there's literally everything. That's like, I, <laughs> I was like, but, that's not true. <laughs> but this is the one. Like, when I've had thirty seconds to talk about the conference, I pull up this quote. Okay. Um, we are in a culture that is so lukewarm, like so deeply lukewarm, that anything that resembles discipleship is dismissed as legalism. Jesus, that's so true. Why does the phrase others may, but you may not, or the phrase, there are some things that when you are called to be a soldier that are fine for civilians, but are not for your calling. Why is it that it twists our stomach? This is my personal reflection. Why is it that it twists our stomach? Why is it that our minds tend to shift towards, well, if it's not a sin, why are we being legalistic about right. it? It's, I Honestly, I agree with him and not, I wouldn't even, I would go further. Honestly, yeah. I would say that it's not just our culture. I think it's church culture and church leadership. Yeah. I don't think we treat the weight of the call of God yeah. as highly as maybe it once was. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think we need to be legalistic, but I think we have devalued honest to God discipleship yeah and we're so lukewarm we don't see it and so anything that involves discipline we dismiss as oh that's legalistic it doesn't have to look like that yeah it yeah. doesn't have to look like that yeah. so it's because it doesn't have to look like that it's legalistic and no I, right we celebrate atomic habits as right. this clear like mark your goals and pursue them right but then when it's spiritual discipline that marks you as a different person, yeah, it's dismissed as legalism. And I want to be clear to both you and our listeners slash, uh, slash watchers, like you were speaking in very general, like right. I'm making some generalizations, right, right, right. but I'm making them based off of things that I see and experience. Right. I'm not like... Yeah, I'm not just trying to pull things out of right, nowhere. No. And I think a lot of pastors will agree with you. A lot of lead pastors will agree with you. Um, 
because we tend to just say like that sounds like it's gonna stretch me too much let's just like let's just call it legalism it's gonna it's gonna take change in my life so let's call it legalism instead or it's gonna take for me to really search in here or for me to admit where my faults are at and because i don't want to do that let's just call it legalism and we tend to do that we, we tend to come quite a bit and you look at even even the generations that are coming up now um there's there's a lot of like we're just not going to do that and 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 the worry there is going to be this is is that their parents are running away from the way it used to be which was it a healthy environment or a bad environment i don't know but they're running away from it so much that they're gonna be so far removed from yeah. even the good things. Like you know, yeah. like, like if we say we're gonna have prayer meetings uh, six o'clock in the morning every day, you know, there's a healthy aspect to it. But then there's also gonna be like, well, are we like doing things for the right reason? And obviously, good comes out of praying. Yeah. You know, however, um, there's a sh- there's such a shift between your parents and your grandparents age and then where you are at now where it's like when's the last time you had a prayer meet in your youth group you know what i mean like it's just hmm. and i i never i don't want to minimize actual spiritual abuse i really i genuinely don't but i think everything has become spiritual abuse that is tied back to holding you to a standard yeah and I'm like, just because a pastor held you to a standard doesn't mark it as spiritual abuse. Yeah. Spiritual abuse exists. Yeah. But discipline and standards are not the markers of spiritual abuse. Absolutely not. But that I think pastors are afraid to hold people to a standard or, and I don't know what the system looks like. And I don't know if I was in charge, how I would lead it. And there's a lot to wrestle through. Right. But I think it's just the first time I've really heard Mm-hmm. some of this there's a lot of people that i know that are very far away from from a life in christ that have gone through it's it's very real spiritual yeah. abuse is very real and it can hurt somebody and it can hurt a family yeah. and it can hurt um ministries and it could hurt you know just even the it could create a stagnant growth in the church and it could yeah. you know it could kill a church um so it's very real but i think your point is very valid as well um, where we just don't really see it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping just to go back to like the whole context of this teaching. Right. Was two pastors to evaluate themselves. Yeah. Not like don't become of a mob. It's so good like though. to pat like yeah. It's so but, good because I don't I honestly like I've not and I've heard of conferences. I get this one yeah. Well, and I, I, I appreciate it because his heart it had nothing to do with, like, don't yeah. don't take these words. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say this, but his heart wasn't mm-hmm. to take these words and use them as spears right. against pastors you right, don't like. Right, right, you right, know? Right, right, right. Like, this was to be a, uh honest self-evaluation of yourself. Mm-hmm. So this has been a deeply convicting and honest yeah. evaluation of myself. Yeah. I just think it's too good to not share, you know? Yeah. I'm going to go through these last points a little faster, maybe less expound. If you have, if you want me to expound on one, just let me know. know? But, uh, he, he kind of wrapped that up a little bit with like the reason it's worth it to him to like others may, but you may not 
is he was like, I just don't want to live a shadow call. I don't want, Mm. I don't want my call, my leadership, my pastoral ability, my preaching. I don't want it to be shallow Mm -hmm. just because I felt like I, well, I can't give up Netflix. I can't give up video games. I can't give up whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to live a shallow, shallow call. Um, if there is not preparation in the secret place, then there will be failure in the public place. It's not really a new idea, but right. I think it's powerful. Yeah. You know? um, we have to be people that are deeply formed, but that also steward the power of Jesus. Um, there's kind of two waves of Christianity right now, the spiritual discipline wave right. and the right. supernatural wave. Right. And he was like, we've got to learn how to steward them both. Like mm-hmm. we need to be deeply formed preachers that right. aren't afraid of the power of right. Jesus. Um, and he said, this was kind of a challenge to us was, uh, he was like, I need, like, I want you to know that we need waves of preachers. He was like, we need more people battling this culture than we've ever needed. Yeah. So he said, I don't want you to shrink back just because the weight is high. He's like, the weight is high, but I'm not trying to talk you out of ministry. I just want you to recognize the weight that you carry based on the calling that God has placed on your life. He was like, the goal is to be a person that accepts a challenge. He said, we don't need spectators in the kingdom of God anymore. Mm. He said, we got too many of those. We got too many pastors that are just spectators. Yeah. Um, we are separated from the process and we're addicted to the immediate, which my dad has, a, he doesn't say that, but he has that yeah. idea of like, uh, we, it's like a microwave culture yeah. and a crock pot God, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I totally agree. We like, we don't like process. We hate process. Mm-hmm. I'm a slow moving guy. I still hate process. My job, my current job is about process. I still hate process. Yeah. We're addicted to the immediate. Yeah. If the fruit uh, that remains in you, I don't know what I was trying to say there. I must have had a bunch of typos. But he went on this tangent about uh, like fruit and the sweetness of fruit. And uh, he quoted T.D. Jakes. He like he was like, of course. yeah, he was like, this is the best sermon I've ever had or heard from <laughs> T.D. Jakes. Of course. And he he just said this phrase, but the taste but the taste. And it was this idea of uh, the nutrients and fruits and vegetables are much more potent because of the time and patience. Uh, So it increases on the vine. Like the longer they stay on the vine, it increases. Actually, that wasn't T.D. Jakes. That was one of his friends who was actually genuinely talking about uh, fruits and vegetables. So I got two separate stories mixed up. T.D. Jakes is coming later. Yeah. we need everything is about the quality of our lives, not the quality of our talks. And then his last thought and my last point from the session, we need people that are willing to cleanse and consecrate themselves to become better Christians. Yeah. Those are the pastors that we need. The ones who are willing to cleanse and consecrate. Themselves. Well, we've always heard it, right? Like good Christians make good Christians, bad Christians yeah. make bad Christians. And so with that said, if if there's this huge wave, imagine if we had a huge wave of pastors and preachers who were speaking like, like true gospel, like like that had um, those simple values aligned with God of like family and you know the Holy Spirit and these disciplines deeply and rooted in them, 
and we could correct some of the the spiritual abuse that has happened in previous generations and we bring that into today and what could potentially happen yeah i mean we could live a, a revival like never before and those kind of things excite me like i am super excited to see what could happen in the future i'm super excited about there's there's a lot of bad happening i see it guys like i'm not like i'm not like living in a cave here like i i totally see that but these conferences these talks these nuggets when applied in the right place could have ripple effects like 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 it's i mean you could not measure it but if we flip the if we flip the coin one bad seed in the middle of it could hurt a lot faster yeah. So like a, a fire, right? Could could it could spread in a bad way, really really quickly. But a good fire could could control the fires. So what I'm trying to say is, look at all these points, examine your life, and do a self evaluation, and and really ask God to change what needs to be changed, add more of what whatever needs to be yeah. added. And, and and really tell yourself, like, I really want to do this. Like, I really want... This isn't just, like, some kind of selfish calling. This isn't just something, like, like I just want to be like them. I want to go be around these circles. I want to be a, a, you know, a famous preacher or a famous pastor, whatever the case is. Like, like I think God's going to give a louder voice to certain people because that's, you know, that's what happens sometimes and they're going to reach more people. But if God, at the end of the day, I can fully say this. If God keeps me in this building for the rest of my life, then I'm okay with that. But if he takes me outside of this building where I get to speak by the grace of God to more people, then I'm okay with that too. But I, I, there's something very special about saying I completely submit to the authority of God and I'm going to let God do whatever he wants to do with my life. Good, bad, change, remove, edit, undo, whatever he wants to do out of my life. But and, and there's this there's this piece that comes from it that that is very, 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 very unique. I've stumbled in my life. I've done a bunch of things, and, and I think everyone has, right? But all those things should make us better. I've gone through spiritual abuse, yeah. but that, ha- that healing from that has made me better. Um, and so you just grow as a leader. You grow as a speaker. You grow as, as someone who is sharing the gospel. And when you take nuggets like what everything that that Caden just shared with us um, and you really truly apply them to your life you're going to find out that not just are you going to become a better speaker but your family is going to be better your family is going to be healthier your surroundings going to be better you can become a better mentor if you're mentoring somebody yeah. and it could have a deep 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 um, effect on someone's life and at the end of the day that's what God calls us to do is just to to go and st- and speak and tell others about Christ, but he is the one that's like, look, we want you to follow God, but try to ignore all these bad things that I'm doing. Just just see the Sunday morning version of me. Yeah. And I think that's what, a lot of what's happening with this generation, a lot of what's happening with, with the current culture setting. Do as we, I say, not as I yeah, do. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, Caden, what else do you want to share with us? Any Any last zingers? This is the longest podcast that we've ever did. So we're yeah. in an hour and change. I'm now. like, we might be dividing this up. I don't know. Yeah, we well, might have to do a part two about this one, huh? There's so I guess it's up to you. I mean, uh, I, I, we clearly can't go through the rest. I tell you what, wrap but. us up on this one, but leave us with a really good singer if you've got one in there. Wrap us up with this one, and then we'll we'll see if we if this becomes a part two based on the reaction of people from this podcast, maybe. 
I don't have any new zingers, but I think I just want to kind of bring us back to where we started. Yeah. Uh, with kind of two quotes that go together. It's no good to be a good preacher if you live a poor life. Mm. And would Paul have Timothy put you into leadership in yeah. the church of Ephesus? Like, do you... Obviously, right now, we're kind of talking to church leaders, but yeah. even as a Christian, like, mm-hmm. do you understand the weight yeah. of the call? Yeah. And have you spent enough time in honest reflection to accept that weight, to do something with that weight, yeah. to learn how to carry that weight, yeah, and to do it in such a way that honors God and honors the people that you're leading or walking alongside. I want to say this. It's not always there's, there's people that aren't called to, to, to preach yeah. and, and there could be a different calling for you. Right. Um, but one of the ways, and I'm not saying this is the only way, one of the ways that I've been able to know that God has called me to do certain things within ministry is because you understand how much responsibility is on you. It, and, and you start taking your sermon preparation um, a lot more seriously into a completely different level. If you're a part of the um, kids ministry at your church, you're going to take that. In the, and you're like, they're just kids. But no, you take it. And you, you add a level of seriousness like that you never have before. Um, from the that handshake, if you're part of First Impressions team in your church, from the graphic that you create... Um, you start adding this level of seriousness because you understand the weight and you understand um, what God has entrusted you with. If you're a musician or whatever the case is, God has entrusted you with something and and you should not take that for granted like no, no one should. And and so with that said, I think there's there's I do see us going in an uphill battle at times. However, like the the we're going to get to a certain part of the hill or the battle that it's going to be more of us. I truly, honestly, truly, truly believe that because I do see a genuine hunger um, from the up and coming generation to know about God, to trust about God. And not only that, but the beautiful part is, is to share about God. Um, So I do see us turning the corner, but it's pivotal for those current church leaders and church pastors to examine their lives and to rectify what needs to be rectified, fix what needs to be fixed, and then for us to mold and shape the next generation in the correct way and try to avoid some of these things that maybe were done to us in the past as yeah. we were growing up. Um, but God is so good and full of grace that I'm telling you, like I'm genuinely excited about the next 10 years in the church yeah. and see what happens as if Jesus Christ doesn't come for us, which would be a... Mm, the Lord shall tarry. The Lord, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, this was a great conversation, Caden. Thank you for. Yeah, I got so many more nuggets thank in you here for later sessions. Thank you for sharing it, and he's got so much more knowledge. We're gonna we're gonna make sure to leave some notes there. We're gonna add um, the information for the conference. There's another one happening in next year, right? Yeah. So this this so the conference started last year, I think, for mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. And they've been doing it. They did one in like South Carolina, I think. But for the most mm-hmm. part, they've been doing them at Bridgetown. But they keep yeah. selling out. So next year they're doing one in Nashville. Uh, I don't know if that's public knowledge yet or not. So yeah. 
you said something you said something very cool though you said something about that it's never going to be the same content right well specifically next year they said that it's all going to be fresh content so that's great for better or worse if you're wanting to hear these teachings i've been to conferences where it's like okay you're saying literally verbatim the exact same thing that you said last year i want a refund kind of situation listen if john tyson (laughs) did this exact teaching five years in a row i would be fine but the rest of it would be cool yeah so they promised fresh content Mm -hmm. um you can see all of this on the website if you have a little more uh capital or money there's uh retreat versions that are much more intimate i guess like there's one in maui there's one uh in virginia yeah and it'll be like 20 I think to 30 god people is calling us to maui i think so yeah i think absolutely. god is calling us to go to maui for absolutely. a week and uh we'll find a coffee house out there somewhere and no. then there's the <laughs> master class <laughs> praise god praise god praise god. god no well thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast it was a bit of a longer one it was a little bit more serious but um Caden literally walked into my office saying, like, we've got to talk about this. And when he says that, I, I knew we needed to talk about it. So um, thank you, Caden, for sharing um, all these awesome nuggets. And hopefully we did the topic some justice. I hope so. Um, and if you've got anything to share with us, please leave it in the comments below. Um, leave us a nice comment. And if you feel like you're struggling with this, obviously we want to make ourselves available to as much yeah. as we can, right? But yeah. to 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 pray for you and you don't have to go into detail if you just need prayer let us know and i'm not really i'm not really sure why i'm saying that but i feel like saying that if you honestly genuinely need prayer and if you're going through something send us a message we'd love to we'd love to to pray for you it'd be an awesome thing to do cool any last any last thing you want to say no i think i have a newfound weight for the calling of god but i can with full honesty say that i think the best days of the church are ahead of us, yeah. not behind us. I believe it. And all it takes is yeah. the few that are willing to recognize yeah. the weight of the call. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. This was episode seven of the We Don't Know It All podcast. We've got great things in stores. There's three more episodes left before the yeah. end of the season. You don't want to miss out a sing- on a single one of these episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Peace.